0: You're listening to the BOSS Business of Surgery series, episode 79. Today, I talk with Dr. Wendy Schofer. We talk about what success looks like in a dual physician family, as well as when you ask yourself, are my kids healthy? How do we even go about answering that question? Dr. Schofer's here to help us out. Enjoy the show. And if you want to know more about the BOSS Business of Surgery series, go to bosssurgery.com. Welcome surgeons Welcome back. I have a very dear friend and I'm so in admiration. This is Dr. Wendy Chauver. She is a pediatrician and she is the founder of Family in Focus. She's doing amazing things when it comes to looking at our family in different ways and the ways that we can approach and be successful in our interactions with our family, um, for the health of everyone. And so I'm really excited to talk about this topic, and I'm so
1: glad that you're here. So Dr. Schofer, please introduce yourself. Oh, please. I'm Wendy here. (laughs) Well, that and I'm amazed you are totally nailing the name. Everybody gets all caught up with it, but it's Wendy. It's totally Wendy. Hi, I'm Wendy. Um, Introductions. It's like, where do I start? You know, hi. I'm a mom. I'm a pediatrician. I oh gosh, I retired. Love this. Retired from the military uh, after 20 years, so I can say I am captain chauffeur. Uh, we had somebody pass by the other day, and they're like captain chauffeur, and my husband's like trying to go up and and um, say, oh yeah, he's speaking to me. I'm like he's speaking to me.
0: <laughs> that is navy captain chauffeur, not army captain chauffeur. Huge difference.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes.
0: <laughs> we could only get away um at the, Na- the National Naval Medical Center saying I'm I'm Captain Vertries when we were interns because you know they thought we were 06s, not the 03s we were. So
1: <laughs> I love that. And that's like I appreciate that moment to be like, yeah, we're just gonna clarify this, and especially here as women in medicine, in military, you're like, yes, let's own this. Totally own it. I'm not going to say I was the original. You may see me say often I'm the OG captain. <laughs> I love it. No,
0: Let's just diverge for a little bit. And um, because I know a lot of people ask all the time about dual physician families. Now, I know your husband is also an emergency room physician, and you had a great approach. Because in the military, you know, people have a lot of thoughts about moving with a spouse and who's happy and who's not. And in the military, you have even less choices. So take us through the secret of your success as a dual physician family, thinking about moving and worrying about like whose career is going to benefit and this and that. What was the secret to
1: your success? I love the framing that it's all about success. I'm like, is it really? <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, we're figuring that out all the time, like what success looks like. And I would say that the secret to that is that we define success as we are going to be together. So um, we were dual active duty very on very early on in our career. And so um, that means that we were very low ranking and... Um, the only thing that we could really do with our request list was basically say, "Well, we just want to be stationed together," and so that was our success. As long as we were stationed at the same place, done. We'll make the rest of it fit. We just didn't want to be, you know, single parents in different, you know, geographic locations. Uh, we had two very young kids at that time, and that is something that we've carried with us through all of the the stations, um, through the transitions. I got off of active duty after my initial obligation, uh, was, was paid back to the Navy. And then I came right back in just a couple of months later into the reserves because I felt like I chopped my, <laughs> <laughs> but again, we just kept on deciding wherever we, you know, wherever we're planted, we will bloom, um, whatever, you know, the thing that's important is our, you know, co-location. Now, I gotta tell you, we've actually broken those rules. So, um, there was one move that did not work well for our family and we identified it. And we, he actually took um, orders to get transferred somewhere as, um, you know, a a single geographic, you know, he he basically took deployment um, in order to get us out of there because it was not a good fit for our family. So, it was always looking at what's the best fit for our family. Co-location, we always thought, and then we decided uh, it may not actually be co-location, but we're going to keep on um, seeing what works for us. And ultimately now, you know, I've retired from the reserves. He's still active duty for the foreseeable future. We're coming up for orders again next year. And I've decided that, you know, we have some input into where we go, but ultimately we're going together. We're going together. We're going to make the most of it wherever it is that we go. I'm figuring out what that means for me clinically. I'm figuring out what that means, you know, for me with my business, but that's not putting my stuff to the side. That's me just acknowledging I'm ready to move because that's part of the adventure. I could always choose to stay, which is also a choice as well. It is totally a choice, and it's one that we've discussed. Um, depending on where he goes, so that kind of sounds like I just explained both sides of the coin. But you know
0: what? <laughs> well, and that's the point: is that
1: you really did. Is that you know? It is not so much
0: about the actions that determine the success. It is the intention. If you yeah. think that success is defining an achieved outcome, you defined what your outcome was going to be, and you ensured your success. And your success was to be to be together and to make it work as a family. And as a result of that, what you did is that you exactly like you said, you flowered where you bloomed or, or you bloom where you were flowered or what? Anyway, it worked. <laughs>
1: flowered, not deflowered. Okay, we're good. Okay. <laughs> and the,
0: the whole point of all of this is that you guaranteed your success and By defining what it was ahead of time in a way that was going to work for both of you, your priorities were very clear. And a lot of times, too, we will define something that we maybe can't achieve. And so we're at the mercy of other people, you know, when you pick those objectives of other people defining us and, you know, or I'm going to achieve this particular, um, you know, career path or something like that too, is that you're very clear about your intentions. And that's obviously why it worked, um, which, you know, then you realized it wasn't the location. It was just you guys working together as a team that was always going to be a success. That's why you've been
1: successful. Amazing. And I think that another side of that, that people don't see behind the scenes is that we're questioning this all the time. You know, so many people assume, well, you know, because he's been in for so long that that means that he's in for, you know, <laughs> until they kick him out and. um I think that part of our success that we've done with both sides of our career is we've really recognized where it is that we have the control and the decisions. Um, I decided after, you know, the longest part of my career was those first four years that I paid back uh, in active duty time. And I think that that's really because I felt like I was trapped. I was obligated. You know, I had no decisions and Um, to to make, or so I thought, and so I completely felt trapped. When I came back into the reserves, I had family members that definitely questioned, (laughs) why on earth are you doing this after what you've gone through before? And I said, I'm not taking any, any bonuses. There's no additional commitments. It's one station at a time, and I have the option to leave at any point. That was so completely empowering to me. I had no idea about coaching or the language about decisions and choices and all of that. All I knew is that I wasn't going to be obligated beyond little steps at a time. There was no amount of money that was worth that for me. Yeah. And I love this, that what you offered
0: yourself, which is recognizing where we have the control and the decisions is a lot of times, you know, we like bang our head up against the wall in those areas. We don't have any control or not making the decisions. And, you know, sometimes that's true and sometimes it's not, but it's a fact that there's going to be things that we can't control and decisions that are not ours to make. And, you know, recognizing where those are is, is definitely, um, the path for success. So you stop beating your head against the wall about
1: places that you don't have control over. Mm, yeah, that that's definitely a part of that first four year. <laughs> it, I think I still have healing bruises from that banging my head on the wall. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely um a skill that you
0: learn in the military, for sure. Mm. So <laughs> let's let's talk about your uh your business now too. Now you focus family in focus. So you focus on the family as a whole, which you know, I know a lot of uh distress comes from, you know to be a surgeon, you want to work, you want to do all these things, you want to have achievement. You know, we do think of ourselves as achievement. Then we have this family and, you know, we're not unique in these struggles by any means, but it feels like we are. Um, So when we look at the family and we look at our kids and we ask ourselves, you know, are our kids healthy? You know, I'm curious for everyone to kind of pause for a minute and think what comes up for you when you ask yourself, are your kids healthy? And I know that this is where you went um, in your focus on your coaching business of helping us decide, you know, let's put our family in focus and let's come up with some um, strategies to, you know, navigate the ever-changing landscape of family. So take us through um, what it's like, like what comes up for people typically when you start talking to them about their kids being healthy?
1: Oh my goodness. My heart is pounding right now because it's just like thinking about all those different things coming together, you know, kind of like, well, I've got my, my career and then I've got my family and how often we're like, okay, I've got two different things. I got to focus over here. I got to focus over there, you know, and even with the name of, you know, my program, family and focus, that doesn't mean that it's too you know the exclusion of everything else oh i just need to focus on my family right now it's actually looking at you know how does that all come together which i think is the the magic in looking through a coaching lens about professional fulfillment about family health because it's not two separate things
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's really using you know the same tools asking the same questions to be able to get Answers that work for you. That's not actually answering your question. That's kind of like what, <laughs>
0: what I mean? it, is. it is. And it's also like feeding along lines of like when you think of two separate things, and how do you get those two separate things to work together, which exactly mirrors what we were just talking about? When you have two people and two careers how do you make them both successful? You know, how could it be like one and not the other? It's, it's not one and not the other. It's how do you create these two seemingly individual things and marry them into um, something that, you know, becomes successful, you know, in parallel and in, you know, intertwined. It's not two separate things. And, but I do think, you know, when we do separate them out into individual things, one always seems like it gets short, short stat, you know, whatever the short end of the stick. Like if we think about our career and our family, if we think of them two separate things, we'll probably feel like we're failing at both of them rather than, you know, how are these things coexisting and they're supposed to coexist. You know, we're
1: allowed to be humans with families in careers. That's actually okay. <laughs> and honestly, it comes down to us recognizing that first, because I got to tell you, there's still a lot of other people that aren't going to agree with us, you know, especially as women in medicine, they're like, okay, you got to make a choice. No, no, no. I'm acknowledging. I don't have to make a choice. Yes. This is my choice. Yeah. This is how I'm living and doing it no matter what you say. Exactly.
0: Now, let's say someone comes to you and says, I've got my my career, but I'm worried that I'm doing it wrong. I'm worried about my family. I'm worried about the health of my kids.
1: Where do you take them from there? Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, asking a lot more about that worry, like what that really means um, to them, because there's a lot of different things that can be coming up. Um, now, you know, a lot of my work, it really stemmed off of, parents that are worried about their kids' health in that perspective of weight. And, you know, initially I was working with parents of kids who were struggling with overweight and obesity. And then I recognized that we parents collectively are worried about our kids, no matter what they weigh.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so a lot of it is understanding, well, where does that come from? And I mean, I would put that out to you first, but I would also offer for, you know, what I've been seeing with, you know, myself, because I'm totally a product of, you know, all of this work. It's, it's the messaging that we keep on hearing, you know, we hear about the um, uh, epidemic of childhood obesity, about decreasing movement, about, you know, concerns about electronics, um, uh, long-term health consequences, And it's doing a number on us as parents, because no matter what our kids weigh, we're like, well, I don't want it to get there. Mm -hmm. I want to, you know, I, I need to keep an eye on what they're eating, how they're moving, you know, all the electronics, all this kind of stuff. And so it's kind of like layering on additional layers of obligations and responsibilities for us as parents. It's totally interfering with that ability to, you know, create those relationships with our kids. Cause we're like eyeballing how they're eating. We're controlling their portions or, or if nothing else, we're just worrying about it and we're stewing about it. Well, where is this going? Yes. Am I doing this right? If I say something, if I do something, is it going to cause an eating disorder or disordered body image? So it's really understanding That, you know, that worry, let's look at where that's coming from. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's not as simple as like, well, let's flick a switch. It's really, truly understanding. This is a product of our, um, of our culture, which is so focused on the body, focused on weight and, you know, thinking about like those, what's your outcome? What's your success? We've defined success by what the body looks like what size, you know, how you're doing on your growth curves. We've done that for far too long. Let's start questioning that. Is that really helpful to our children's growth? To, you know, their bodies, to, you know, their development and for us as parents.
0: You nailed it too. I mean, the the circumstances are everywhere. The messaging is everywhere. And if you take like Any, anytime you approach something with one measure in mind, with the exclusion of everything else, then you can take that one measure and, you know, make it a problem. So if you, if you take weight as a measure, then your thoughts about it saying, and this is why I'm failing. And then obviously worrying about it, or, and this is what's going to be their downfall. And this is why my kid is never going to succeed in life. You know, it's no question where the worry comes from and these messaging, it's not going to change. The only thing that can change is, you know, our response to these messages that we get all the time. And what are some ways that you can offer that people can potentially respond to these messages that are here all all over the place?
1: You know, I think just first acknowledging this isn't the environment that we're in right now and noticing, I mean, we want to change it. We want to turn it off because we want to feel better. We want to stop the worry. Well, how can I turn down all of that? Well, I think that first of all, just recognizing that this is what is happening for us. This is what that messaging is creating for us because of what we're making it mean. I got to tell you, this messaging has been there. It's been there since we were kids. It's Mm -hmm. been there since, you know, since before that. Now, could it be getting turned up more? Maybe it's getting into our homes more. Thank you, social media. Really appreciate that. But, you know, (laughs) there's, you know, a lot more that it's kind of like the volume is turned up, but it's always been there. And so I think that it's something that first acknowledging that we want to have a quick, easy fix, we want to turn it off. There's work that we're doing to change that. But I got to tell you, the most effective and the quickest answer, because we're all looking for answers, is to start looking at that impact that it's having on us. Yes. How is it that we want to parent? How is it that we want to do this amidst this environment? How much do we want to see um ourselves like you know there's so much messaging about you know you need to be a certain size or you need to eat a certain way or this is the answer if you move a certain way and I think that part of the the work is just questioning that yes it's out there yes there's people that you know swear by this stuff does that mean That it's something that I want to be paying attention to. Is it something that I'm thinking that I'm looking for the answer for my family? Mm -hmm. And that's always something external and, you know, going to look like some guy like, you know, lifting weights or, you know, somebody eating a certain way. Mm -hmm. Thinking that once we achieve this, then we have reached success. Again, what do you want success to mean? and oh, I love that. And let's take it very specific. Um, let's
0: say that, you know, you have a, your child and we'll be very specific in that this is about a weight. Let's say you look at your, you know, I don't know, seventh grader, and you look at the number on the scale and you look at it on the growth chart and they are off the growth chart. They are above the growth chart. And the messaging, of course, is that they should not be on this location on the growth chart. And this number should not be the number that they are and and i think really focusing not so much on the child i think that you're you've nailed it when you say that we should really focus on what that comes up for us like what is our problem with that number and you know what it comes up for us and what should we start looking at internally so what are the, some of the things that you think about with that
1: yeah i and I, I think that that's really it taking all of that information and just saying okay now what what does that mean to you you know, child at a certain weight or BMI or place on the growth curve, whatever it is. It could even be child who eats a certain way. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, what does that mean to you? And just giving yourself some time to think about that, not necessarily what other people are saying, but what is it that it means to you to have a child whose weight is this? you know, whose BMI, you know, that growth curve. I mean, even when you said, you know, that we're told that they shouldn't be there, according to whom, why -hmm. not? You know, all this, oh God, I'm a pediatrician. I mean, we were raised with growth charts. Like that's just one of the the primary tools that we have. And so um, the thing about it is, you know, even just understanding what percentiles are, you know, that's just talking about a distribution. It's not saying where you should be or where you shouldn't be. It's just, okay, let's take a hundred kids, line them up in a certain population. Granted, they would have been measured at a certain period of time and not necessarily your child, (laughs) but where were they from, you know, the lightest first percentile to, or, you know, whatever it is that you're measuring to the largest one in that grouping, which is the 99th percentile. So, We always lose a kid Um, (laughs) percentiles. But what does that mean to you Mm -hmm. that your child is there?
0: Yes. And that thought, my kid should not be there.
1: Yeah. I can't think of any good feelings that come out of that. Oh my gosh. Anytime it's a should. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the little red flag that goes up in my mind when I start catching myself catching shoulds all over the place, yes. but why not? Why not? And, and you know, it's amazing how often I hear the, the stem of the story. We come from a big bone family, but I have concerns about my child. I have concerns about this. So it's like, even that layering, sometimes it's not even where our kids are right now, but it's even that family history. hmm we're like, well, I need to keep an eye on, or I don't want my child to have the same challenges that I did. So they're living in their worst case scenario. Oh, it hasn't even gotten there yet. I mean, that's just something that we do all over the place though. We're often living in our worst case scenario. We're like preemptively living it out and we haven't even gotten there. Mm -hmm
0: although that you know we're telling ourselves that we can control that of course you know when we say we should not be there or you know i'm worried that this is going to happen we do all of these things just like you talked about like what are some of the adaptive mechanisms that you see people doing when they have this i'm worried about my kid or you know i don't want them to have this experience that i had you know what are some of the the ways that people act on that
1: um I heard the the word adaptive and I'm like, (laughs) adaptive or maladaptive, (laughs) but it's just like what we think that we need to do in order to, you know, have the appropriate response. And, you know, a lot of times when we're feeling that kind of pressure that we need to control, well, you know, maybe it's making certain food choices or, you know, serving only certain foods uh, in the family, maybe looking at different kids in different ways. Well, you know, this one, I need to get to eat more of something. And the other one I need to eat, you know, less of that could be whatever it is. I mean, we could even be talking about vegetables. I need this one to eat more of the vegetables and this one to, well, we don't usually say less of the vegetables, but But I can see like, if you think in, you know, the
0: biggest problem that I have with advice-based stuff is that Mm -hmm. we focus on the action. Like they should have vegetables, they should have this. And just like you're mentioning is that, you know, when you feel that pressure that they should be eating vegetables and and I'm worried that they're going to be like me and have the same experience that I had in my life was hard. My life was hard and therefore they should do something different. I feel pressure. So therefore you must have these dang carrots, you know? Mm -hmm. And so this action that is, you know, well Intended when it's coming from the wrong place that comes from pressure is not going to build that relationship with your kid, and it's not going to get the result that you want because it is based on fear and pressure, and worry and control and guilt, and all of these negative places. That until we can clean that up, you know, we are not actually going to help our kids be healthy, or we could get them. As is true for all of us, we can get to a number on the scale in a number of different ways. We can decide if we're going to hate ourselves the whole way, or if we're going to have a, a kind, loving relationship that that gets us to a place and being clear of what we want to get to.
1: Yeah. Oh, so many layers in that. Um, I think that that's really the the difference that I've seen from kind of like my you know let's just say my early weight management days in the pediatric office where, you know, of course I knew the answer for everybody. (laughs) I mean, I was trained for this. Um, You know, this is what you should be eating. This is how you should be moving. Of course, how much you should be sleeping because sleep always comes first. Okay. But, you know, I would write out a plan and give it to the parents. And they're like, okay, yeah, that's cool. Come back three, six months later, whatever it is. And you're like, yeah, that didn't work for us. Or you know what? My kid, he's fighting this. He doesn't want to do it. Okay. Well, you know, not really exploring and understanding. Well, how does any of this fit within your family? And what's going on? Because so much of that is focusing on that child, telling the child how they need to change. Mm -hmm. That is a recipe for disaster. (laughs) Yeah.
0: For one thing, they can sniff it
1: out. Oh, they can totally sniff it out. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's all internalized as there's something wrong with me, Mm -hmm. wrong with my body. And the deeper part that, you know, kids don't say it out loud, but we all want to be seen and accepted for who it is that we are. Mm -hmm. Well, when we're making those types of, you know, changes and saying, well, we need to fix your habits, your weight, your health, whichever you know, way you want to look at it. That's really something that is, you know, being received by the child if it's not done with that that different type of energy from the parent, because if you have guilt, worry, pressure, it's all like putting on like you must change in order for me as a parent to feel like I'm successful, that I'm raising a healthy child, that I'm doing the best by you as my child. And so it's that energy on both sides, the child who's receiving all of this. And then the parent who's like, okay, how do I juggle all of this external stuff? And then what's coming up for me is I feel this pressure. I need to I need to fix, I need to intervene, I need to help. And that's where that controlling type of approach comes in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh you nailed it too, is like we don't think of that we're looking at our kids as they are determining us our feeling of success. Uh and you know, once you recognize that, that like I'm worried about how I'm gonna feel about this. Is you know we're not coming from a place of you know love and acceptance for who they are. You know we're coming from that. I want to change you because this will make me feel differently. Um, and you know, focusing like changing our focus and and what is the way that you change the focus on the relationship with your child? Um, I have my own ideas, but what are yours?
1: Yeah. Well, I think even just exploring what that means to have a relationship. I mean, we. <laughs> what is it that they say from the princess bride? You know, you keep using that word, but I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> like, what is it that it really means for you? Relationships it mean don't... doing them, doing what I want them to do. I, I'm just kidding. That's oh, oh, but, right? but that's what it is. Like really explore Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I said it. So they're going to do it. That's a positive relationship. That's a um, relationship. <laughs> it is a relationship. <laughs> yeah, but you know, just exploring that because, I mean, there's all sorts of different terms that we use in different ways. And if we don't really understand what that means to us individually, we're kind of like speaking different languages. So like, what does it mean to have a relationship? What does it even mean to, you know, be healthy? What does that mean for you? And I think that it's really starting off with exploring those kind of like the, the underlying definitions to begin with, because that way you can really start understanding, well, what is it that you are looking at creating for that goal? Mm-hmm. You know, as we come back to that language of what does success look like, mm-hmm. you got to define it. Success can look like very different things for different people. And just exploring that from the beginning, not because we are trying to like get there, you know, as in like, okay, well, tomorrow we're just going to turn this all on and you're going to achieve success, but you got to start exploring what that means. What is healthy in your family?
0: And how do you help someone define what healthy is?
1: Yeah. Um, so again, I ask a lot of questions, totally admit it because that's something that I recognize as a physician, as a pediatrician, um, as someone who, embraces certain parts of my own definition of healthy, that is not necessarily what someone else will think of as healthy. So, you know, just for example, um, okay. I mean, like I love, I love CrossFit. I totally love CrossFit. Okay. Um, I notice how some people will make assumptions that that's like a key part of my definition of healthy. No, it isn't. It isn't. But I also notice how it's something that, you know, we can make a lot of assumptions along the way about what becomes a part of healthy. So I have my own assumptions or my own definition for myself. I offer to other people to, you know, just first sit with it. And then what does it look like if healthy is something that. I think of it kind of like, um, okay, we're going to go old school, like the video games. Okay. Do you remember like the, the life bar, the health bar? Mm -hmm. Okay. I always want to go back to like super Mario brothers and, but you know, that was all coins. So not exactly the same thing, but you know, when you pick up more, you know, the, the bar goes up when you stumble, you trip over one of those ridiculous, uh, what is it? A turtle, you know, it goes down.
0: Okay. I like the comparison because, you know, like if, if your life bar, when it comes to sleep is not high, you know, your life bar is going to be low and you're going to feel terrible. And so, you know, you can kind of figure out, like, if I ask myself, like, where is my tank right now? Well, I'm feeling kind of on fumes. So we can already tell like internally, like looking internally, what our you know, what healthy feels like to us. And we know when we're eaten too much. We know when we are hungry. We know when we haven't slept enough. We know when we're tired and just utterly spent. Or, or at least we have the the capability of knowing that. And you know, having that clarity and I I just love the idea of the the video life bar thing. That makes perfect sense.
1: I think of it kind of like an investment that you're making and and life is kind of whatever pulling out withdrawals all the time. You know, we're always losing, you know, some degree of that type of, you know, health energy. Well, what is it that we can do that we are investing more or just investing in ourselves every day? And I really hesitate because I see a lot of um visuals where folks are like, well, you've got you know your food, you've got your you know fitness, you've got your sleep, you've got your substances, you know, looking at all these different aspects of health and it just gets freaking overwhelming like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I'm not like more, um, healthy in the fitness area. That's okay. It's okay. Like, how are you contributing? How are you investing in yourself? And maybe even just offering some compassion that that's not your area right now. Maybe you're getting, you know, more of that investment bang for your buck, but just making sure that you're sleeping, you know, on a regular basis in a way that is beneficial to you. And so I'm always looking at how are you contributing or investing in that kind of language? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, that can even be, you know, looking at what types of foods, you know what today, um, a cupcake is exactly what I need to invest in myself. Maybe other times the cupcake isn't the investment decision. Okay. Not applying so much of that good or bad black or white, you know, type of approach, but how is this healthy? How is this investing in me?
0: Yeah, and it it changes too. You know, I always like describe things as different seasons. You know, like this is a season where like my mental health takes priority. Like this is the season where my running takes priority. And this is a season where plant-based diet takes priority. And it's near impossible to do all those things at once. But, you know, changing the like the different focus and I I consider them seasons or rotations, you know, like, well, this is the rotation where we learn how to do this. Um, And, you know, just allowing myself to to take some time to do this and take some time to do that and not judging if I'm not running as much now or not judging if I'm not you know, reading as much now and just recognizing the season that I'm in and asking myself, you know, am I happy? Is this exactly what I want to do right now? And how is this making me feel? And, um, you know, do I want to keep doing this or is it now time to shift to something else? You know, that's, that's how my approach is.
1: Yeah. Well, And just noticing how we're comparing, you know, Mm -hmm even to just like, well, I've been reading more or, you know, I, you know, was working out more in the past and not doing as much. Oh, yeah. uh, we make those honest comparisons all the time, <laughs> but we use them and it's like poking us in the side. Like what are we doing? This is not helping me. <laughs> oh yes. And,
0: and the alert to that, as we've already talked about, I should be running more. <laughs>
1: So I laugh as someone that has um, started running a little bit more, but hold on a minute. I swore that I would never run again. <laughs> I don't have to run for my country anymore. Like I'm done. <laughs> and um, I signed up for the the soccer league. So there's a women's soccer league and I'm on the 30 plus and the 40 plus league, just because it's fun. 40 plus low impact. I'm working on my footwork. Like there's no real running, it, you know, of course- you know, just, it's nice. A lot of my friends have just had knees replaced, you know, within the last six and 12 months. So it's a good time. The 30 plus is a completely different um situation. And I find that when there's a ball, I'm like a dog, I'm running after it. I'm like, where did this come from? I'm like, I don't want to run. I don't want to run. Where is this coming from? <laughs> so funny. just noticing those things, like I should run more. I'm like, oh golly. My body does not need this. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> I should run less. <laughs> mm-hmm. I hear you, because you're listening to what your body needs. Yeah, and yeah, it's very interesting how um, I need to listen to what my body needs the day after and remember that. <laughs> oh, I hear
0: you. I hear you. Yeah, we're we're at that age where you sneeze and you throw your back out. But oh, <laughs> now, so I know that that we've only like briefly given an overview of what it's like to, you know, have like our issues with our family and how we help them through all this and how we navigate our own feelings um, and our own guilt and worry and control and pressure, all the things that we feel. And I know that it's, you can't just overcome this in you know, less than an hour uh, talk about this. So take us through what you offer and what
1: working with you looks like. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, you're already well on the way just by even considering that there's a different way to do this, because there's so much that we have just kind of um, taken on as, you know, this is our role as parents. And, you know, it's going to be (laughs) challenging as all get out and we're all going to be worried and feeling like this mom guilt. No, no, no. Let's question that. Okay. Okay. We don't have to do that. And I think that that's part of the work at the beginning. My, my program is called family and focus. And that really started because it was the opposite, if you will, to focusing on the child on their weight on, you know, like really focusing in on them as an individual, as opposed to what is it that we want to create in our home? What is the environment that we're creating? Because ultimately that's our job as parents. We're just creating an environment for our kids at home and looking at like, what is it that they do from there as they're building their own relationship with their food, with their body, as we're building relationships together, as they're learning to trust their bodies, as we're learning to trust their assessment. (laughs) Of their bodies. You know, the whole question, you know, about, you know, what it is that that they need. Um, Are they hungry? Have they had enough? That's a lot of building relationships and trust. And with the program, it's really focusing in on working with parents, because I see that the changes that we can make by questioning all of these beliefs in the environment, all the beliefs about, you know, this is the way it should be. Well, you know, this is a good weight, a bad weight. We get to really question that, figure out what it is that we want to create in our own home, starting with those emotions like you were talking about, worry, control, um, the pressure, the guilt. And when we recognize that we can parent from a different energy we're talking about love acceptance even just curiosity experimentation like there's so many other different ways it's not like we switch a a gear and all of a sudden everything's like i accept everything no it's a work in progress but we are works in progress and the work that we do here you know helps with family health helps with our own health with you know, um, work you know with satisfaction and fulfillment, because it's not all about focusing on the food, on the weight, on the scale, to tell us how we feel. We get to determine that, and then that creates a ripple effect through the entire family. And so, I I think that that's really the power here that we can see as parents how we want to define success, we get to choose. Yeah. There's so much that we've heard, you know, and and taken in, in our society about what success should look like. No, just like I got to determine it, you know, with moving around in different locations. And, you know, as long as we're together, that's success. All right. That's my definition. Mm -hmm. That's my definition. What is your definition of success for your family's health? And I'm just going to put it out there. If it's tied to a certain number on the scale, what else is possible? Right.
0: And because it's just like the rival fallacy, you can get to that number on a scale, but you cannot guarantee how you're going to feel about it because that's actually it's still a choice.
1: Yes. Yes. Because you can never be thin enough or rich enough. I haven't we always <laughs> heard that. I know, right. And then you get
0: thin enough and rich enough and you realize, I still don't feel good. Oh, yeah, go figure. <laughs> so
1: strange. And I felt terrible the whole time getting here. What's going on? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and isn't that the way that we can really kind of reframe it as we're teaching our kids? Because so much we're concerned about, you know, what type of habits are they creating? What kind of, you know, a potential setup for, you know, eating disorders Well, if we keep on judging success off of the scale, that's something that we're teaching them. That's a habit that they're developing too when we focus on that. And so that's why I really challenge what is it that is, you know, that bigger picture? What is the goal? You know, what does success look like that isn't tied to something you're like, oh no, well, I just want to do that for right now because that's not what the kids are learning. They're learning. Well, you know what? If I lose weight, that's successful. If I change my body, if I, you know, make it that, you know, the doctor is proud or, you know, my parents are feeling better about this. Mm-hmm. And then that's where it gets very confusing for them to be able to understand those relationships because it, it's kind of like outsourcing the relationships with their food and their body. And outsourcing our self-worth, our mm-hmm. feelings of
0: self-worth based on
1: what someone else's thinks,
0: feels, and number on the scale.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just a little
0: small task that you have here. So <laughs> this obviously takes some time because we've all been conditioned for these thoughts. And, and as you've mentioned, these are not new concepts, but our approach to them, I know that is not something that we learned at medical school. And so it's normal that none of us are you know, we're born being equipped to figure these things out. And so if someone, you know, is concerned about their family and wants a better way and wants to help their kids learn self-worth and something else other than these external determinations,
1: how would they find you? Oh, you know what? I am so straightforward, easy. <laughs> com. So, um, and it's S-C-H-O-F-E-R. <laughs> I have the link as well. And uh it, you have a program and a podcast, correct? I do. And and go figure the podcast is Family and Focus with Wendy for MD. So I'm I'm not very creative with these. <laughs> one last thing, I
0: know that you just received a grant because other people have acknowledged how important that this is. So tell us a little bit about, you know, where this may be coming and who may be expecting to see this in the future.
1: Thank you so much for bringing that up. This is such a celebration for me. So I have been uh running the Family and Focus program now for two and a half years. And everyone's asking me, Well, what's the evidence? What's the evidence that this is effective? I'm like, I'm creating the evidence. <laughs> because I mean, that's the thing. We need to be able to go out and do things in the world, seeing and then creating that evidence that we can share with other people. And so I am collaborating with a PhD nutritionist who uh, has a background in weight stigma. She was just hired by our local um, institution, and we have submitted and gotten grant approval to study the Family and Focus program for uh, 60 local families. They can participate for free, and then we are going to be looking at the... uh, It's so exciting it's looking at the health outcome measures but not in your typical approach you know as far as we're not measuring bmis we're not measuring a1c i don't ever ask anyone what they weigh what their kids weigh and it was actually interesting because as we did the grant proposal we got a lot of questions about this like i know that's the typical approach we're doing something different. And so it's studying about that impact that the coaching program is ha- having on parents, on uh, measures like food competence, about understanding weight stigma um, in the family, what we've experienced, and then also what we're seeing uh, with our kids and how it's impacting a global well-being not just looking at BMI or A1C or whatever typical, you know, type of biometrics that we're used to looking at.
0: That's fantastic. And, you know, I'm looking forward to those results too, but I, I, you know, congratulations on the work that went through that and getting it approved. And, you know, it's just acknowledging that we know that there's different ways to approach things and we haven't quite figured out the right answer. So I appreciate that there are people like you out there who are committed to finding those those answers, and so thank you so much for all that you're doing.
1: Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I receive that.
0: <laughs> I'm happy. Oh. To your mission, as you know, you know I'm a huge fan.
1: I I love you so much. <laughs> I do. This is the love fest here. Um, you know, it it's truly something where, um, I know we were talking earlier about how you know, just kind of keeping an eye on those things, like reminding ourselves about the work that we are individually doing in the world. And sometimes we honestly need that, that reflection from our friends to be like, I see you, I see you, you know, the work that you are doing and reaching out and helping, you know, I I think you use that analogy about the rising tide, you know, raising all the ships, we get to do that and rise each other's tide, Okay, bad analogy. Um, but we're doing that right now.
0: And it's such a pleasure. <laughs> I agree. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Wendy. I really, really appreciate it. And pleasure's all mine. For more information on the Boss Business of Surgery series, go to bossurgery.com.